Find a virtuous woman for her price is far above rubies. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. She stretcheth out her hand to the poor, yea, she reacheth forth her hands to the needy. She openeth her mouth with wisdom, and in her tongue is the law of kindness. Her children arise up and call her blessed, and her husband also, and he praiseth her. Favor is deceitful, and beauty is vain. But a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. Amen. Would you turn back to 224? We're going to sing a little chorus called Holy Ground. If it's a new one, you can learn it with us today. If it's new to you, if you know it, help me sing it out. Let's sing through it twice. When we start the second time through, those boys and girls headed to Children's Church can head out. 224, we're standing on holy ground. And I know there are angels all around. 224, let's sing out. Oh, that day. 
Mando Choir will be playing today the offertory song, My Heart Ever Faithful. And then after we sing the doxology, they'll be blessing us with the song, How Beautiful for the Special Music. So we appreciate uh, these ladies, and this group's very talented, and they uh, have different people that ring. It's amazing. I was told today we have a range of 16 to 60 uh, ringing bells. We praise the Lord for that.
King James V was known to roam among his subjects in disguise. As you well know, kings and those in high positions are hard-pressed to go out among the common folk, but King James V figured out a way to be out among uh, his subjects. And on one such journey through the highlands, he came with a friend to an inn, He sat at the common dining table there with the other travelers. And later, as he and his companion went upstairs to their room, a man who sat at the table with them questioned the innkeeper. uh, Who is the taller of those two men gone upstairs? The innkeeper replied, well, that's Farmer John of Balangook. Farmer nothing, the man whispered. I know him. My eyes deceive me not. He is royal James. Beloved Christian, though most people who look at you may not realize it, they may not recognize it, when they look at you, they're looking at royalty. They're looking at a child of the king. They're looking at an heir and joint heir with Jesus Christ. You know, around the church we talk about the PKs, those Kids that are preachers' kids. And we talk about DKs, those who are the deacons' kids. And we, think, we talk about MKs, those who are missionary kids. Today I want to talk to you about the KKs. No, 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 not Krispy Kremes, but I want to talk to you about the king's kids. Those who belong to the kings. And beloved, 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10 says this, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, His own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of Him who has called you out of the darkness into His marvelous light, who once were not a people, but now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. The songwriter said it this way, My father is rich in houses and lands. He holdeth the wealth of the world in his hands. Of rubies and diamonds, of silver and gold, his coffers are full. He has riches untold. I'm a child of the king, a child of the king. With Jesus my Savior, I'm a child of the king. My father's own son, the savior of men, once wandered on earth as the poorest of them. But now he is pleading our pardon on high that we may be his when he comes by and by. I once was an outcast, stranger on earth, a sinner by choice and an alien by birth. But I've been adopted, my name's written down, an heir to a mansion, a robe and a crown, a tent or a cottage, why should I care? They're building a palace for me over there, though exiled from home, yet still may I sing, all glory to God, I'm a child of the King. I'm a child of the King, a child of the King, with Jesus my Savior, I'm a child of the King. Hallelujah! A child of the king. And if you've received the Lord Jesus Christ as your savior, you are a child of God. You're a child of God. And I want to impress that upon you today. I want you to revel in that fact. I want you to rejoice in that fact. I want you to be changed by that fact that you are a child of the king. Now, John, we're studying the book of first John. I ask you to turn there again. First John chapter three this morning. You need help finding it, find the last book, Revelation, and back up just to here and you'll be in 1 John chapter 3. John talks about the fact that we are a child of God. And I want you to see what he says about us and what it means that we're a child of God and how it impacts our lives. 1 John chapter 3. 
1 John chapter 3, and we'll begin reading at verse 1. Familiar verses probably to some. We used to sing this first verse when I was growing up in summer Bible camp. We would sing this song. It was one of those songs you sang in rounds. Behold, what manner of love the Father had given unto us. And so these words were impressed upon me early in my life. 1 John chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called the children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are children of God and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness and sin is lawlessness. And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him there is no sin. Whoever abides in him does not sin. Whoever sins has neither seen him nor known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. He who sins is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Verse 9 says, whoever has been born of God does not sin, for his seed remains in him. And he cannot sin because he's been born of God. Let me stop for a moment. Just look up here a second. Let me just say this, because I know that verse right there can be startling. Where it says that if we're born of God, we do not sin and we cannot sin. And yet we've already seen in the book of first John that Christians still sin from time to time. What does it mean here? It means this: the idea of not sinless perfection, not the idea that we're never, ever going to sin. It's the idea of living in sin, habitually sinning. If you do that, you're not a true child of God. If sin is your lifestyle, if sin is what you do all the time, everywhere, then it shows that you're not born again. That's what it means there when it says he cannot. So you cannot keep living in sin and, and living in sin and living in sin and practicing sin habitually. You've not been born of God. I just want to throw that out there because that's a startling thing. Verse 10. In this, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not born of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. Now, as we examine these truths today, I want us to look in three directions. We're going to take a look back. We're going to take a look ahead. We're going to take a look around. So let's start by taking a look back. And we find there in the very first word, in the very first verse of chapter three, the word behold. Behold is a word that is to get our attention. Pay attention. Don't miss this. Don't let this go over your head. Don't let this just go by. Behold what? Behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us, bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Behold the fact that the Father's love made us His children. Now, this, beloved, this is only for those of us who are truly His children, God's children. Hope you understand that we are not God's children by natural birth. We only become God's children by the new birth. You see, those who are not children of God, sad to say, are children of the devil. Verse 8 talks about, says, he who sins is of the devil. Verse 10 says, it, it actually contrasts the children of God and the children of the devil. 
Their lifestyle shows who their father is. John said in his gospel, these words, John 8, 44, you're of your father, the devil and the desires of your father. You want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning, does not stand in the truth because there's a truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. Don't buy into the lie that we're all God's children. That is propagated today. We're all God's children. Listen, we're not. We're all created by God. Yes, God created everybody, but we only become God's child if we trust his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We trust him. Then we have him as our savior and Lord. And God is our father. I think that whole idea that, that we're all God's children is the devil's lie. Get people say, well, we're all God's children. No, we're all God's creation. And God blesses everybody, the just and the unjust, that we only become a son and daughter of God if we trust the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. And he contrasts that here. He says, listen, there are children of God and there are children of the devil. And by the way, friend, if you're not a child of God today, you can become one today. And I want to encourage you to do that, to turn from your sin. The Bible says all has sinned. All have fallen short of God's glory. If you'll turn from your sin and place your faith in Jesus Christ, you will be May the child of God. Now, listen, if you haven't done that, listen particularly here to what it says to Christians, those who have uh, received the Lord Jesus Christ. It says there, Christian, behold, what manner of love the father has bestowed on us, has given to us that we should be called the children of God. He bestowed it on us. He gave it to us. We didn't earn it. We don't deserve it. We don't work for it. We simply trust his son and he gives us eternal life. He gives us his son. He gives us childhood, his child. What kind of love was it that God gave? Well, I think we find the answer in the most familiar verse in the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. As we look back. This morning, we see a demonstration of that love, that love is this behold, what manner of love, what manner was it? We see it demonstrated in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, the cross is what made our pardon possible. I think we're in trouble, by the way, because we get accustomed to God's love. We get accustomed to it. God loves us. One of the greatest truths we can teach our kids is a little song. Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible tells me so. But we get accustomed to the love of God. God loves you. Hope you know that God loves you. We're going to spend a summer this summer talking about the fact that God loves you in that study. I encourage you to come with us in, 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 in that book by David Jeremiah. I, I just opened it up on the flyleaf and I found these words and they fit so nicely here. He said, God loves you. This is the most important fact in your life. The eternal self-existing being who created us and sustains everything that exists dearly loves you. The profound thought of it should begin and end your every day. It should define your every goal, your every action. And the fact that he loves everyone you know should inspire you to see others as he does and transform every relationship you have. By the way, he loves you whether you're his child or not. Did you know that? John 3.16 says that God so loved the world. He loved everybody so much. He says, I'll give my son for them. He'll die in their place. He'll take their sin if they'll only trust him. 
They'll be made my child. They'll be forgiven their sin, a home in heaven, an heir and joint heir with the Lord Jesus Christ. God loves you. Think about that. God loves you. Let's do something together. I know it's church and we shouldn't speak out loud, but I want you to speak out loud. I want you to say together this morning these words. God loves me. Would you say that with me? Ready? God loves me. Is that hard to say? You know, sometimes it's easy to say God loves you. But what about God loves me? Say it again. God loves me. Think about that, beloved. Don't ever get over that. Don't ever get used to that. The fact that God loves you. And notice this love. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us. And, and, and it provided our pardon. Yes. But notice the next part of the verse. That we should be called the children of God. See, God didn't just stop with our pardons. Okay, you're forgiven. You're, you're done. You're, you're good. He, he took a step further. He says, listen, I'm not only going to forgive you and pardon you. I'm going to adopt you. I'm going to take you in as my child. You know, today's Mother's Day. Moms, when you look at your children, your heart is filled with love, right? Most of the time, right? Your heart is filled with love for those kids. And I'm sure you're grateful to God and you rejoice in that. But you look at your child and you feel, your heart is filled with love. And think about this. God, if you're a Christian, God is your father. Christian mom, God is your father. He loves you more than you love your kids. Think about that for a moment. Why? Because God's love is a perfect love. There's no sin. There's There's nothing. That would mar his love or, or, or affect his love in any way, shape or manner. He loves you with a perfect love. And God looks at you and he looks at you with a heart of love. We are the children of God. We are the sons and daughters of God. And we'll talk more about that in a moment. But I want you to think back for a moment to, to that, that, that time in your life where you became a child of God. When you turned for your sin and placed your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. For some of you, it may have been a vacation Bible school meeting. It might have been a revival meeting. It might have been in a church service. It might have been listening to the uh, Christian uh, minister on the radio. It might have been in a Sunday school class. It, it might have been in a tent meeting. It might have been uh, on the side of the road. It might have been wherever it may have been. But think back to that time where you realized you were a sinner. And you turned from your sin and placed your faith in Jesus Christ at that very moment, wherever it was, whenever it was, at that very moment, you became a child of God. You became a child of the King. But how exciting is that? How glorious is that? I told my wife, I'm looking, you know, we're, we're vacation Bible school is coming and, and I see a lot of kids here that still have not made a profession of faith. I'm looking for a great harvest this summer. Think about that. And they'll come. And, and, and even this morning, someone can come and they can bow the knee here and they can ask the Lord to forgive them their sins and save them. And that very moment, they become a child of God. That's awesome, beloved. That's awesome. Well, we know that when we look back, we see His love. We see it demonstrated in the cross. He made us His child. But let's look ahead for a moment. Look at verse 2. Beloved, now are we, now are we um, the children of God. And it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when He is revealed, we shall be like Him. For we shall see Him as He is. Now, while we're not given all the details, we're told several things in this verse. At least three things. Number one, we're told that he will be revealed. 
That is the Lord Jesus. Secondly, we're told that we shall be like him. And thirdly, we're told that we shall see him as he is. Now, Jesus is coming in. We talked about that in length last week. We talked about that a lot last week. We know the Bible teaches that he's coming back to get those of us who belong to him. We're looking for the rapture. We're looking for him to come and get us and and go home to be with him. We know the Bible teaches that we're going to get new bodies, perfect, resurrected bodies. Can I get an amen right there? Now, now, listen, that was weak. Have you looked in the mirror lately? I know when I look in the mirror, I know I need a new body. No amens right there, please. I looked in this morning. I thought about this. I'm getting a new body. I need a new body. And the Bible says I'm going to get a new, resurrected, perfected, glorified body. 1 Corinthians 15, 49-53. Just as we are now like the earthly man, we will someday be like the heavenly man. What I am saying, dear brothers and sisters, is that our physical bodies cannot inherit the kingdom of God. These dying bodies cannot inherit what will last forever. But let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. It will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown. But when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to life forever. And we who are living will also be transformed. For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Think about that. No death whatsoever. Our mortal bodies will be transformed into immortal bodies. That's the New Living Translation of 1 Corinthians 15, 49-53. Beloved, what a glorious thing to know we're going to see Him and be like Him forever. Mm. What will heaven be like? I think human words and our vocabulary, we struggle to describe it. Imagine the beauty. Imagine the joy of being reunited with loved ones in the summer here today. This is a hard day for you because your mom is no longer here with you. Maybe she's gone on to glory. One day you'll be reunited with her if you know the Lord and she knew the Lord. And that'll be great joy. I look forward. My dad died when I was five. Never got a chance to really know him. A few memories of him. But one day I'll see him again. I think of other loved ones that I have there. I think of people in the church where I grew up and people that I loved and influenced my life. And I think about the Bible characters and all those things. But here's the glorious thing. It says in this verse, we shall see him. We'll see Jesus. That's what makes heaven heaven. The fact that Jesus is there. Yes, I want to see my loved ones. Yes, I want to see the beauty. But most of all, I want to see my Savior, the one who loved me so much that he bore my sin on the cross. He took my shame. He, he bore that, that, that the nails and the shame and the suffering in my place. The Bible says we will be like him. We shall see him as he is. Now, this reminds me, beloved, that when we look at our life here, And when we look at our brothers and sisters in Christ, we need not get discouraged. God is not through with us. He's not through with me and he's not through with you. Years ago, Ruth Graham Bell, excuse me, Ruth Bell Graham, the wife of evangelist Billy Graham, saw a sign on the side of the road that said, end of construction. Thank you for your patience. Smiling, she remarked that she wanted those words on her gravestone. Well, after her death in June 2007, her desire was carried out. You can go see it at the Billy Graham Library. I've seen it bone eyes. Her grave marker bears the Chinese character for righteousness because she was born in China to missionary parents and followed by the words that made her smile. End of construction. Thank you for your patience. Listen, 
If you look around this morning at your brothers and sisters in Christ, when you look in the mirror, don't grow discouraged. God's not done with you. God's not done with me. We need to be patient. He's working to make us and conform us and shape us into the image of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. What a day it will be. We shall see him. We shall be like him as we see him as he is. But we take a look back. We see the cross, the love that God displayed and gave to us in, in making us his sons and daughters. We look ahead and we say, even so, come, Lord Jesus, come back and get us to be with you. But then we want to take a moment today and just look around. Now, we've dealt with the past. We looked at the future, but now we look at the present. Look around. I want you to look at those verses uh, or those words in verse two again. It says, beloved, now we are the children of God. This is a present reality. We're not waiting for some future time. Uh, We're not. We don't have to wait until we get to heaven. We don't have to wait and wonder about it. The Bible says that we are now right now. The children of God. We're in the family of God now. It's a present reality. Yes, we look back and yes, we look ahead. But right now we look around and we see our brothers and sisters in Christ. We're in the family of God. The story is true. I'm told of uh, two brothers who wanted to play Little League. And after they signed up, the registrar was puzzled when, according to their papers, he noticed they were six months apart. I mean, only six months. He says, you're brothers, he asked. He said, yep, we're brothers. But you're only six months apart, the puzzled official uh, countered. Well, one of us was adopted, said one of the boys. Oh, which one, said the register. And the boys said, we ask our dad all the time, but he says he can't remember. We are now the children of God. I love what Max Licato said. He said, if God had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. If he had a wallet, your photo would be in it. He sends you flowers every spring and a sunrise every morning. Face it, friend. He is crazy about you. Now are we the children of God. Now. Now. You're a child of God. We are the children of God. But as we continue looking around, we notice, secondly, that we are weird to the world. We are weird to the world. Look at verse one there again. It says, behold, what manner of the love the father has bestowed on us that we should be called the children of God. Notice the next part. Therefore, because of that, because we are God's children, the world does not know us because it did not know him. This is the way the message translated it. What marvelous love the father has extended to us. Just look at it. We're called children of God. That's who we really are. But that's also why the world doesn't recognize us or take us seriously. Because it has no idea who he is or what he's up to. I phrased it that way. We are weird to the world because they don't get us. They don't get us. A worldling, a a person without Christ living for the world, living in the world, just living for themselves, the devil. They look at us and they find us strange. They don't understand what makes us tick. They don't understand uh, what's important to us. Why? Because they're in spiritual darkness. The Bible teaches that. They don't understand uh, why we live the way we live and why we do what we do and why we don't do what we don't do. We're a bit odd to them. We're a bit strange to them. Just living a Christ-filled life. And I just want to encourage you, just go ahead and accept that fact. Just go ahead and understand that the world is going to look at you as if you're a bit weird if you live for the Lord Jesus Christ. But don't change the way you live. 
The Bible talks about that we, we uh, display our good works so they may uh, glorify our Father which is in heaven. Let your light so shine before men that they see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. We're, sh- we're supposed to be different because we are different. We have a different home, a different father, a different destination, a different goal. We, we live for the glory of God. And so just realize that those people in spiritual darkness don't walk around proud. You were there too. So was I. Only because God's glorious light of the gospel shone into our hearts and brought us into his family. And that's our desire for them. We should share our faith with them. But realize they're going to look at us thinking, what in the world? Why would you get up on a Sunday morning and go to church? Why would you give money to a church? Why would you share your faith? Why would you take a week of vacation to go on a mission trip? Why would you spend time reading the Bible instead of watching TV? Why would you do any of these things? Why? Because we're children of the King. We're a child of God. How can you rejoice in, in all this pain and suffering? How can you praise God when your loved one dies? How can you have hope when everything around you is, is falling apart? Why? Because you're a child of the King. And we're a little bit weird to the world. It says there, look at what it did, what the world did to our Savior. It says, therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Our Savior came and what did the world do? It crucified him. And put him away. As we look around at our present, we know that we are children of God. We are weird to the world. But thirdly, we are living pure lives. Look at verse three. And everyone who has this hope, what hope? Well, the hope he's been talking about. The hope of seeing Jesus, the hope of being like him, the fact that we're children of God. We have this hope. And by the way, biblical hope, as we studied in Sunday school this morning, is not a hope so, maybe so, guess so. It's a no so. We have this hope in us. It's a biblical certainty. It's a surety. Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. In other words, beloved, what he's talking about here is we realize who we are and whose we are and what we have in him and what he's doing in us and what he's going to do in us. It's a great motive for pure living. It's a great motive for living like him. Verses four through ten show that our lives prove that uh, we really belong to him. A true child of God is not going to live a sinful life that is habitual, ongoing, forever sinning. The Bible says, and God is clear, that whom the Lord loves, he chastens. And if we're a child of God, he will chasten us. He'll discipline us to bring us back into a right fellowship with him. And so, beloved, we're still going to sin from time to time, but that is not the pattern of our life. We've been delivered from that. We don't have to sin. When we do sin, we confess it, forsake it, repent of it, and forsake it. You see, as we look around, we realize that now... We are the children of God. We're we're weird to the world, but we're seeking with God's help to live pure lives. We are the sons and daughters of God, and we will one day be like his son. When we see him, the Lord Jesus Christ will be made like him. But right now, we want to be like him as well, as much as possible. Him helping us. Charles Spurgeon is known in history as the prince of preachers. I have in my study at home a large portrait hanging on the wall. Another preacher by the name of Andrew Bonar wrote a commentary one time on the book of Leviticus and he sent it to Charles Spurgeon. And Spurgeon received the commentary, was so blessed by it that he returned it to Andrew Bonar with this note. Dr. Bonar, please place here in your autograph 
and photograph. And they sent the book back to Bonar. Well, soon the book was returned with this message. Dear Spurgeon, here is the book with my autograph and photograph. If you'd been willing to wait a short season, you could have had a better likeness. For I shall be like him. I shall see him as he is. Beloved, you can look around today. We see our brothers and sisters in Christ. We look in the mirror and see ourselves. Realize God's not through with us. Please be patient. Please be patient. We're still under construction. But one day we shall be like him. We shall see him as he is. Well, we've taken a look back. We've taken a look ahead. We've taken a look around. Now what? I think the last place we to look is take a look within. Would you bow your head and close your eyes for a moment? Nobody looking around. Nobody stirring. Nobody getting up to leave. Just real quickly, I want to ask you two questions. Number one, are you a child of God? Are you a child of God? Has there been a time in your life where you've realized and recognized you're a sinner and you've turned from that sin and placed your faith in Jesus Christ? If not, today's the day. Today's the day that's come to him. The Bible says if you'll do that, he'll give you the forgiveness of your sin, a home in heaven, make you a joint heir with Jesus Christ, make you his child, give you a hope and a peace and a future. And I want to invite you. What we're going to do in a moment, we're going to sing a closing hymn. And if you'd like to be saved today, you'll just step out where you are. I'll be at the front and say, Preacher, I'd like to become a child of God. And I'll take you by the hand and welcome you. And I'll place you with someone who loves you and loves Jesus. And they'll take a Bible and share Christ with you. That's all we're going to do. I want to encourage you in that. And then we'll put some things in your hands to help you to begin growing in your Christian life. I would invite you to come today. Now, if you are a child of God, listen, you have that settled. I want to ask you this. Have you lost the wonder of God's love for you? Has the world and all the stuff going on and the pace of your life, has it made you just take for granted the fact that God is your father and he loves you? And he had a refrigerator, your picture be on it. If you had a wallet, your photo would be in it. And He blesses you day in and day out. And He's working in your life. And He's making you like His Son. And He's coming back for you. And when you see His Son, you'll be made like Him. And you'll spend eternity with Him. Have you lost the wonder of God's love? God loves you with an everlasting love. The perfect love. With an unconditional love. Maybe today you need to come and you need to revel and marvel afresh and anew in His love. And as we sing that song, Redeemed to Our Love to Proclaim It, I would invite you to come and just bow for a few minutes and marvel at your Father's love. Father, thank You for that love. Behold what manner of love You've bestowed upon us that we could be called the children of God. Lord, if anyone's here today that does not know the Lord Jesus as Savior, I pray your Holy Spirit to bring them to Him. Only you can do that work, I can't. Convict them of their sin and place within them that desire to place their faith in Jesus Christ. May they do it today. And then, Lord, for those of us who know you, 
May we never take for granted your love. May we marvel at it and revel in it. But never, ever take it for granted. Bless this invitation, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Ladies, move to the instruments, please. 544, redeemed how I love to proclaim it. As we sing, I'll be here. If you need to say today, just come and say, Preacher, I'd like to be a child of God. We'll help you with that. And if you're a Christian already, you want to come today and just bow to me and just revel for two minutes in God's love, pressure and God invites you to come. The altar is waiting for you. He's done. High 44, redeemed by love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed, redeemed, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. 544, if you stand and sing, you come. It's about this. 544.